It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Leave it up, don't leave it up. Leave it up, don't leave it up. Apparently, UCLA is no longer transfer you. A couple of tweets, one put up, one put down, cancels it out. The Bruins no longer stake the claim to transfer you. We'll talk about it. And the rookie's doing good in the NFL. Let's talk about that on Locked On UCLA. There we go. You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. everybody, it's your favorite host, Zach anderson Yoxheimer. Thanks for joining on with Locked On UCLA today. Thanks for making it your first listen each and every day. It's free wherever you get your podcasts on a variety of platforms such as Spotify, Odyssey, and Apple Podcasts. Not limited to just those, so it's free wherever you get it. Thanks for making it your first listen each and every day. Go to YouTube, like and subscribe, comment, get deep in the nitty-gritty with other Bruin fans, and follow at Locked On Bruins on Twitter if you want to follow the show Twitter page. In the meantime, the Bruins are 2-0. UCLA looking good. And now there's kind of, what's the deal with this transfer you thing? Well, we'll talk about it after we get those hands in the air, Bruins fans. Eight clap time. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. U-C-L-A. UCLA. Fight, fight, fight. Transfer you? No? Maybe so. So let's get through this whole thing. A couple days ago on the Twitterverse, whether you're on it, not lucky for you if you're not, if you are, this is what happened. UCLA's football Twitter, which we talked about recently in a couple episodes ago, they put out a tweet that said they are officially transfer you in FBS of college football, D1 college football. UCLA is the D1 transfer you saying they have the most starters utilized from all the transfers that they've gotten. And they've used a lot of transfers. Zach Charbonnet included with Jake Bobo. Those are two significant offensive starters. Bruin said they were number one with 20 starters. Well, a couple of things have happened since then. One, I believe there's an old Miss graphic that they tweeted out something else saying they're transfer you with one more starter used than UCLA. And the running Rebels saying, all right, we've got 21 starters trying to say, all right, actually, we have more starters than UCLA transfer-wise. But most importantly, it's Chip Kelly who is saying, actually, that tweet wasn't supposed to go up. Nah, it wasn't. No bueno. That's not a good look. And even Chip Kelly, who knows that despite all of his comments before the season, before everything, saying he does not necessarily look towards high school recruiting. We went through the high school recruits, Yeah, it's for the class of 23. It's not that many. It's not that impressive if you look at star rankings, regardless if it's 247 sports, if you look at rivals, whatever it is. Not a good incoming class of 2003 for the Bruins, 2023. And the transfer class, a lot better. And you can see a lot of the Bruins on this team that are making significant impact include guys who are transfers, whether it be offense or defense, mixed in with the walk-ons. But Chip Kelly, as a leader, as the head coach doesn't want to say to these high school kids in SoCal, which can be, hey, we don't want to necessarily say we're transfer you. That graphic wasn't supposed to go out. 
maybe this is something they use as a recruiting tool when they go on visits to transfers or talk to transfers when it comes to the transfer portal, getting something grouped in. But let's get to the nitty-gritty of what a football program looks like. Yes, you have your head coach, your offensive coordinator, your defensive coordinator, or maybe the head coach calls plays. You got your little situational position groups, quarterbacks, running backs, so on, DBs, linebackers, and so on. You can go all the way from the top head of the program all the way down to the bottom. But you do have social media coordinators, film coordinators, and all sorts of things that work within a program. So obviously someone put together a graphic, whether it be a coach and a social media coordinator. Someone got together, thought it was a good idea to put this graphic up, and Chip Kelly says, well, that wasn't supposed to go out. Oops. Oops. It went out anyway. And then it got a little publicized from the media, and all of us saying, whoa, UCLA is a hard enough four-year institution to get into for the incoming class. Let's not scare off the freshmen that they're trying to recruit in any other sports, let alone football, and scare them off saying, actually, we don't want you. We're just trying to get guys graduate transfers or just transferring in from other schools. As the Bruins said all of a sudden, whoop, let's pivot on that bad boy and not consider ourselves transfer you. Yeah, that's not too good to be considered transfer you. As I remember someone in the comments mentioned, hey, UCLA, we don't want it to be known as transfer you. And that, that's a fair enough point. The Bruins are a, a prestigious academic institution. They, they're well recognized around the world. One of the toughest schools to get into because of not only just the academic standards, but because of how many students apply year in and year out. It is, I think, the most applied to university in the nation, arguably the world. Those are facts I don't actually know, but I know it's really a tough school to get into because of the high volume of kids who try to get into it, into UCLA itself. And you don't want to go around scaring off the freshmen of the incoming freshmen from for next year, whether it be the people beyond that, and just saying, hey, transfer you is not where it is. So football programs, they had their social media coordinators, their sports information director, uh, directors, SIDs. Pretty sure the SID or SIDs didn't tweet that out, but for what it's worth, Chip Kelly said, well, you know, it, it, it's out. What's the point of deleting it? After all was said and done, the Bruins ended up, I believe, deleting the the post on Twitter. I saw it was said, oh, the post is now deleted. I'd send it to my buddy. I said, whoa, this is a bit of a far cry from UCLA, what they stand for, except it kind of matched in the philosophy with what Chip Kelly has been going towards recruiting. You can look at the numbers. You can look at what he's got next year, the year after. He likes to gamble on these guys in the transfer portal. You could see SC, how they rebuild their team. They went through the transfer portal. So many guys, so many coaches, players, either helping or hurting their career by going through the transfer portal or going to go to school and get a stack of cash some way, somehow, from some secretive or good NIL deal, which the Bruins have their collectives here in Westwood. They're trying to figure out how to kind of disperse it around. But the Bruins having a weird little odd part in the week where they go up with the transfer you post, they go down with the transfer you post. You can bet the next post would be something better, right? Well, it is. I'll talk about it after some words from Bet Online. And well, we'll tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online is the number one source for all your college and pro football betting needs and sports info this season. You can find all the latest football developments from game matchups, news, podcasts, including this week's games. 
BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs and all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. It's got perfect thing for sports wagering information. It's your continued source for that. Just go ahead to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Locked on UCLA, Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and diehard UCLA fan. 2-0, we'll get to South Alabama coverage for our final pod of the week, just not today. Figure, let's kind of see what the Bruins are failing at social media-wise. And it starts from the top, and it goes all the way down. Programs nowadays, unfortunately, we have to deal in the social media age where you have kids, high school recruiting-wise, like, oh, hey, I got my offer, I got my offer, I've got 30 offers, and you have to have a whole rigmarole of going and deciding between schools, which is a big decision, don't get me wrong, but then it's a whole thing. When they sign, it's a whole, all right, let's grab a hat, let's not. I know we we enjoyed Devin Williams pulling his stunt for Mick Cronin, throwing away the SC gear, putting on the UCLA gear. I know UCLA men's basketball recruit Brandon Williams is about to decide over the weekend between St. John's and UCLA men's hoops. But when it comes to recruiting, social media is a big tool nowadays, whether it is transfers being played as UCLA tried to play the transfer you card, didn't go so well. Maybe they tried to play it, didn't like the feedback, and said, actually, that wasn't supposed to go up. Chip Kelly saying that transfer you post, not supposed to go up, but that post I'm referring to that is supposed to be good, first-class development. No, we're not talking about all those transfer starters that are going up. The UCLA football account talked about how many UCLA rookies were placed on NFL rosters or practice squads here in 2022. Nine of them, I know you can highlight from Greg Dolchitz, Kyle Phillips, all these guys going from who are specific guys, including Britton Brown at the Raiders, just a little brief amount of guys. There's nine of them in total. First-class development. Now, that is a tweet that is actually going to work and play, whether it be the media, high school kids, incoming transfers beyond just the transfer you tweet. Nine UCLA rookies placed on NFL rosters and practice squads in 2022, according to today, I believe week one through week one, according to UCLA football's tweet that is something that will play a lot better i think with the fan base as a whole i know myself or even true true fans who say hey ucla is a prestigious institution we don't want this transfer you thing coming out we want people to go for all four years enjoy their their schooling in westwood and ucla not just their saturdays in pasadena every so often so it is kind of funny ucla comes out with one tweet saying hey actually Let's get rid of this transfer you post. Let's use something that a lot more people will catch an eye towards. Look at all these guys going to the NFL. Important Bruins getting churned out to, to the next level, whether it be the NFL or, you know, some people, they might go play up in Canada or, you know, whatever it may be with all these various new startup or restartups of new or old use, uh, old pro football leagues. But the best graphic UCLA can post is simply, hey, Lots of guys make it to a practice squad. You get cash for being on the practice squad. It's not as important or as you know flashy as being on the team, making a big play on Sundays or Thursdays or Mondays, in this case, nowadays in NFL of present day. But for the Bruins, that works a lot better than saying, all right, transfer you. No, no. 
just a weird week in terms of social media for the UCLA's football squad. And normally you get funny little content, whether it's someone trying to promote their NIL. I, I'm just saying this is an overall look now, or you give a hand a, a phone to a, a Bruin or, or a current athlete, and they take over a social media takeover, what practice looks like. Those are some things you might see in social media. You get limited views. Then you post something that kind of stirs the audience there. And by no means is Twitter everybody's opinion. Absolutely not. Or social media to, at its whole, at its crux. But when you post something like that, kids nowadays, a lot of recruiting, a lot of visibility comes through media, whether it's videotapes and huddle, whether it's social media, Instagram. Hey, look at this. Go to YouTube. Go watch how my live stream is. Me deciding or announcing on some podcasts that I'm going places. And social media does play a big part in the Bruins cannot certainly want to fail this going forward. That's not a game that you want to fail. The social media branding in terms of simply telling recruits, hey, a lot of kids go on social media, whether it's TikTok, Twitter, some still use Instagram. Nobody under the age of 21 probably uses Facebook anymore. It's And that's even a low age to say that. It's some new social media that'll pop up that we don't know of. It's You got to be at top of the game. The Bruins certainly were not on top of their game this week in social media. You could argue they haven't been on top of their game football-wise. They are 2-0, but most importantly, while we do account and want to hope for future recruits, we've got to get down the facts. Transfer you. Well, the Bruins are, despite Chip Kelly accepting and then denying the tweet at the same time, they are transfer you. But they are also an elite institution, which I talked about before just a couple pods ago saying, is UCLA transfer you? Well, yeah. Yeah, they are. They just don't want to accept it on Twitter or social media that, all right, it's not exactly transfer. You can see all the impactful players the Bruins have put into the NFL from guys staying through for the whole time. You have Antonio Mafi, a guy who's been with the Bruins his whole career, battling through, turning down a rugby career, becoming a Bruin, and losing all the weight to become a Bruin starting offensive lineman, hoping to get it to the NFL. It's... You want to find ways to say, hey, you have to be able to pick the transfer portal. You have to, for UCLA especially, be able to pick the high school kids and the ones who will be dynamic, elite athletes, whether they play right away, need a year buildup. Got to find a way to build that up in the future and just not mess around with social media because that's a dangerous bug to be playing with and get incorrectly multiple times throughout a week. That's just my little crux about it. That's my little rant about UCLA's failed social media football campaign this week. Now we move forward to maybe everybody's favorite segment or least favorite segment, Throwback Thursday. Okay, I dug I dug back a little bit for this one. You, you might see it. You might not. UCLA hosts eight games this year at the Rose Bowl. They're long. It's the first time since 1942. Nobody's a stranger to it. A uneventful, not super exciting non-conference slate, one would say, at home for the Bruins. And with UCLA men's hoops just officially releasing their men's basketball schedule start to finish, conference and non-conference, the Bruins and Pauley Pavilion, they don't have any intriguing matchups at home this year, not like Villanova at Pauley Pavilion outside of conference play for the Bruins. You could argue that UCLA might have more intriguing football non-conference matchups than they do in basketball. It's just basketball, you never know. Someone can get hot and make it a lot closer than a football game is. But whatever it is, the Bruins, they have eight games at home this year. In 2022, 
Not a fun non-conference schedule, an easy schedule, which we've discussed recently. Yet, it's the first time since 1942. A long time. 80 years since the Bruins actually hosted eight games at home. And back in the 40s, it was not the Rose Bowl, as we remember. It's been 40 years since the Bruins moved to the Rose Bowl. But it's 40 years prior to that that the Bruins were actually hosting eight games at their home venue, which was still then the L.A. Memorial Coliseum, which they shared with USC. What was specifically interesting about the 42 season? Well, just like that 1982 season, the Bruins also made a Rose Bowl. They were then coached by the likes of, let me get this name pulled up here, but for the Bruins, they were, they were coached by Edwin C. Horrell, who is known as Babe, one of many Babes, apparently in the early 1900s. Can't forget Babe Ruth, Babe Diedrichson, and then Babe Horrell, who was an All-American center at Cal in Berkeley, came to take over UCLA. Didn't have an eventful head coaching stint with UCLA from 1939 to 1944. In terms of his overall record, he went 24-31-6 back when the Bruins we're in the Pacific Coast Conference around the turn with World War II and all that stuff in the 40s and 19, you know, just we know American history. We're not going to go over American history at this moment. For UCLA in that 1942 season, let, let's go over the, those games who they played. They eventually overall did the Bruins go seven and four. Back then, they only played 10 games and then one bowl game if they were eligible. So a total of 11 with the bowl game. Not like how it used to be recently, 11 and then 12, and then 12 to 13, and now even possibly 15 if you go deep into the postseason. Bruins went 7-4. and four. In the final AP poll, they were ranked 13th in the country. Their non-conference opponents, actually TCU, the Bruins hosted TCU in late September of 1942 and lost 7-6. They then played St. Mary's, California. Yeah, St. Mary's pre-flight. It's noted in multiple different places. St. Mary's. The Bruins actually started their year of so many home games 0-2. Then the Bruins got on a roll, beating Oregon State, Cal, beat a ranked Santa Clara team. They, play, they beat a ranked Santa Clara football team, top 10 Santa Clara, beat them 14-6, and that's after the win at Cal they had. They've got themselves close to the top 10, went to Oregon, one of two road games for the Bruins, two true, true road games, if you should say, going to Oregon, lost that game, and then they found themselves a little further away from the, the top 25. They beat Washington at home, beat Idaho at home, and then for the regular season finale to truly clinch, excuse me, truly clinch the birth to the Rose Bowl, as you can hear me choking up already, as excited as we were for that game, they played the Trojans 1942, December 12, 1942, USC, the 11th ranked Bruins, the 14th ranked Trojans in the Coliseum. So if you think about it, UCLA had eight home games that year in 1942, and their ninth was actually in their quote-unquote home venue on the road at the venue that's actually hosted by their bitter rival, USC. What made that 1942 game against the Trojans so special? Well, technically, 1942, that game was the birth, officially, 
of the Battle for the Victory Bill, technically written in official consent a month before after USC had stolen the Victory Bell, the students had, and then went back and forth, the Trojan fans, whatever. They hit it. UCLA fans, we don't really want to talk about that. To be quite honest, why we play for the Victory Bell is beyond me. It should be in UCLA's side of things forever, even though USC stole it. Whatever it is, the Trojans students, they stole both teams playing pranks back and forth. Don't need to really go through that history. Just, USC's president was actually going to cancel the rivalry because of how annoying the pranks had become. Eventually, the, the victory bells found they agreed on the football game being awarded to whoever won the matchup between the football teams, UCLA and USC. 1942 was the first official game with this new agreement being made a month prior. In November of 42, the Bruins and Trojans playing in about mid-December of 1942, December 12th. The Bruins are undefeated in the PCC, Pacific Coast Conference. At that time, they were 6-3, looking to finish a 7-3 regular season. Well, the Bruins, who had at that point never, ever beaten USC in a football game to that point, beat the Trojans 14-7 in their home venue on the road, though. They were the road team against the Trojans. Otherwise, they would have had nine home games. Beat them 14-7, knocking off a ranked Trojans team. That was their third win of the row, their third, their second winning streak of three or more in that season. Finished the regular season unbeaten in conference play. They were able to go 7-3 and three in the regular season, and that earned them a bowl for January 1st, 1943 in the Rose Bowl. They unfortunately lost to Georgia 9-0 in Pasadena, ending their season 7-4, capping the best season they had, arguably, under Babe Harrell, who did have an undefeated season, I believe, early 6-0-4 with the Bruins in his first year, but that was his best season, taking the Bruins to the Rose Bowl, getting their first ever win in 1942 over USC, the first ever battle for the victory bell. The Bruins brought it back, got that paint, got it all blue, and got it nice and blue and gold for UCLA. First ever win against SC in football. Started the rivalry in 1942, even kind of officially, I should say. And for the Bruins, they made it to the Rose Bowl in 1943 against Georgia, and that was, ironically enough, the last time the Bruins had eight home games in a single season 80 years ago from this season. Do all those things bode well? It's been 40 years since the Bruins moved to the Rose Bowl. They also went to a Rose Bowl game that year. 80 years since the Bruins played eight home games in a single season. And what did they do? They went to a Rose Bowl. And what did they do both times? They beat SC en route to going to the Rose Bowl. Um, is it destiny? Despite how the teams played so far? And yeah, they're getting better week by week against pretty weak competition. Is it destiny? We, we just have to say. If it's a two, th if it's a year that ends in two, and then a year with the three coming up after it, it just seems like the Bruins are destined to play in the Rose Bowl. I don't know. Throwback Thursday. That's my thought. And also a funny tidbit for you at home. It's actually not the only college football rivalry that involves a victory bill. Cincinnati and Miami of Ohio have been playing since the late 1880s. A rivalry back and forth. It's the battle for the bell, not the victory bell, but it is officially a victory bell. It's one of two victory bells that in college football are one of the most played historical college football rivalries. So UCLA and SC, not the only battle for the victory bell, but
but 1942 signified the first ever one, and the Bruins won it, marking their first ever victory over SC when they had eight home games then at the Coliseum, beat them, beat a ranked SC team, and went to the Rose Bowl in 1943 where they ended up losing. But a 7-4 campaign, you can always say the Bruins won the first ever battle for the victory bell. And there's a lot of numbers pointing towards destiny for the Bruins this year. Easy home schedule, eight home games. You have all this stuff waiting to come for the Bruins. Can they play and can they be like their forefathers of the past in 1942, in 1982, both making it to the Rose Bowl with so many home games, beating the Trojans both times? Is that what is being written, set in stone? Sometimes they say history repeats itself. Well, certainly you look at the how the home games line up, the move, the years, the timing of it. I don't know. That just kind of gets me excited in all the right reasons that this could be the dream team of destiny for the Bruins, whether it be the Rose Bowl or if they can find a way to run the table, something even more special. But I know these seniors are driven towards putting this team in the Rose Bowl come 2023 on January 2nd, since the Ro- since January 1st falls on a Sunday. I don't know if that would be interesting for you guys on Throwback Thursday. In the meantime, go make Locked On Pac-12 your second listen today with Spencer McLaughlin. Got a great show. Check out Locked On Pac-12. Anyways, I'm Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer. Thanks for tuning in to today's Locked On UCLA. Get your hands in the air, Bruin fans. I hope you're fired up just like me. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, you. C-L-A, UCLA, fight, fight, fight. This has been Locked On UCLA. Go Bruins. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.